0: The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position of ONTV's management, staff, or board of directors.
1: Hello and welcome to About Town. My guest today is... Someone who does not need any introduction, but I'll go ahead and introduce him, Jerry Narsh. And before we start, I'm going to... Yes. How are you doing today?
0: Hi, Sarah. I'm doing just fine. and It's uh, pretty cool that you invited me on your show. Oh, well, absolutely. And, uh, so we're going to be about town tonight. We are. And uh, I love that picture. Um... That's kind of became Lake Orion. In it.
1: But now it's all about you. So first things first, did you grow up in Lake Orion?
2: Uh,
0: I, well, define grow up. Um, I went to, we're all still growing up, right? Still growing up. So Lake Orion, I always joked that Lake Orion raised me. I got here as a kid. Um, but I actually went to school and grew up in Waterford Township in a little corner of Waterford called Drayton Plains over on Oakland Lake.
2: Okay.
0: And, uh, grew up there, went to, uh, Waterford Kettering High School in the Kirk Gibson years. He was a couple of years ahead of me. And, uh, then right after high school, um, moved out to the Orion Oxford area. Fell in love with, uh, you know, you're right off 75. There's cows, horses, and uh, a cool downtown. So
1: so um, what led you to come to Lake Orion?
0: Uh, a really good friend of mine bought a really cool house, and he said, hey, Jerry, I can't afford it. Uh, move in with me. So I, we were uh, there were three of us, and uh, we were 18-, 19-year-old guys living in a 5,000-square-foot custom-built home. That must um, have been a lot of fun. It was, yeah, it was tough. Uh, <laughs> um And uh, it was, it was a blast, but I worked hard. I had a really good job. I worked at GM. I jumped right into the GM thing at 18, uh, saved up money. So I was driving around in a Corvette, and oh. living in a really nice house. I'm a young guy, and um, but I worked uh, a lot of, you know, whenever I could, I worked the overtime and banked it up and uh, learned a lot about the work ethic, but really fell in love with North Oakland County.
1: Uh, so what did you do at GM?
0: Uh, I was a an assembler. I put the trucks together at GM Truck and Bus. Um, did that for about half my career. Then I got promoted. I was one of the youngest um, supervisors. I got uh, went to the uh, uh, what do they call management GM management school, mm-hmm. and uh, became a production supervisor in the heavy truck industry. And did that for about three four years.
1: And then was there any step in between uh, that and going to the police academy?
0: Uh, yeah, well, I I was actually working at General Motors and, uh, it was perfect timing. I got laid off, uh, and literally the week I got laid off a, an academy position opened. I attended the academy and got called back the Monday after the academy was done. So three months for the police academy and I got called back. So I was doing both, Mm -hmm. uh, fell in love with working with people instead of inanimate objects and uh, I realized that uh, I had to go.
1: And Where, what, uh, what police academy did you go to?
0: I went to the Macomb
1: okay. uh, police academy. Macomb County. And was it, I assume it was a natural like decision to come back to Lake Orion and work here. Yes,
0: well, I was actually a reserve police officer at Lake Orion, and Lake Orion sponsored me. So I was there on behalf of Lake Orion PD, and at graduation, I was in a Lake Orion uniform. And uh, back in those days, um, you graduated the academy, and uh, you got back, and a couple of days go by, and then they, they just put you to work. And there wasn't a whole lot of field training. Um, and uh, we started a program shortly after that, so I, I was absolutely terrified. I've never been more scared than my first day after the academy and a police car thinking, oh, my gosh, what do I do?
1: <laughs> well... I- When I was in law school, I graduated, you passed the bar exam. It's not vocational. You don't know what you're doing. I I did do some um, externships, but I got hired on a Sunday night via voicemail after being told I probably wouldn't get the job because there were so many applicants. This was 2012. Um, I got a call from my former boss saying, so you're hired. Um, Can you go in on Monday morning and let your replacement know I'm in Hawaii? So that next day I had to go in and let the, oh. he was, le- he, he had quit. It wasn't going to be oh, like animosity, okay. but that's worse than an email. Well, yes. <laughs> I was like, uh, so scariest day is that first day of your, oh my gosh. Yeah. Big boy, big girl job. But you clearly excelled because you are our former police chief.
0: Well, yeah, you know, and that, that, that was a privilege um and i always say that you know i didn't deserve it i guess i kind of walked through it and earned it but y- y- i never really f- i felt as though i was occupying the office i was not that person and that way you never become so possessive mm-hmm. uh or haughty is i i i had to make sure that the office was always first and that no matter when i was on my first day or my last that i didn't mistreat that title or that office, because I knew that somebody was going to come in after me, and I followed a lot of great people, and it was just my time to do the best I could.
1: That's a really, I appreciate that perspective. I I think that that perspective gets lost sometimes, not just in, in, in every field, in every field, so that's very good.
0: And and that's why I say, I think Lake Orion raised me, because I was a rookie cop in 82, Mm -hmm. um, and then lasted until 2019, and it was uh, quite a journey, um, uh, my entire adult life, and you, you learn from the vocations we choose. Um, we not only shape them, they shape us. And so in that process, um, it taught me so much about the human condition and just people. And uh, there are so many things that I learned from that interaction uh, that I wanted to uh, expand and develop programs based on what I was learning about people, about crime trends, about uh, all of it, the whole big picture, the many hats that we have to wear, um, and the community responded very well. And I, I, I think it was um, a, a great community policing has a different meaning to me, I think, than a lot of other police departments. And and we put it to play in Lake Orion, um, and I'm going to continue doing. I'm doing it now, um, and it's it's not. If you open the textbooks, uh, there's this version. Uh, we just it was like we made it 5.0. And uh, where we didn't just listen to people, uh, we got down in the dirt and played with them and uh, did things with them and um, let us know they identify us by a person as a first name and see the human side of us, and and we in turn touch and get to see and heal and help the human side of them. Um, It isn't a job. It really is a ministry.
1: You guys do a lot. When I see you guys, the police department does a lot of... uh fundraising and charitable work. What's something that is very near and dear to your heart that you've done with the Lake Orion Village Police?
0: Uh, the biggest thing is the Kids and Cops program. Um,
1: Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so the concept, in, in fact, it's so simple it's stupid. But in the fact that it was so simple about 15, 18 years ago, we actually won a uh, Justice Department grant. In the U.S. Justice Department, I sent a couple of officers down to D.C., and they got a $20,000 check to support the program. And I remember when I was discussing with them about the program, they said, what's the program? I said, there is no program. That's the program, and that's why it works. So it's off-duty police officers once a month. Uh, It was actually once a week, every Friday night. Um, We worked with Lake Orange Schools. They gave us a school, Lance Sims Elementary. And we worked with elementary school kids, so it was off-duty officers volunteering their time. we're in our sweatpants and a shirt and our LOPD hats. And we did board games with kids in the library. We played basketball. We played floor hockey. Um, we brought in, uh, face artists. Um, the, uh, rainforest cafe was very generous and kind. Um, the, uh, Oh, lost his name. The frog.
1: Yep. I, I, you know what? I don't think I ever knew the guys, the frog's name, but oh,
0: they're going to kill me. Sorry, you guys. Um, but they brought in face artists, and we partnered with so many people and did so many things. But the, the, we, we developed a program that had no program, um, but the name of it was Healthy Choices. And the instruction I gave to the officers was, look, the only thing we want to do is have fun with these kids and identify with them and, and, and play with them. They may, uh, as those relationships develop, want to tell you things that, you know, about their family and stuff. The most important thing, we don't ever want parents to think, that we're trying to get information from the kids about the parents. They said that'll never happen. What we want to do is develop a relationship where we build this bridge with these kids and identify them that we can kind of walk across that bridge when we have something to share with them that can prevent something bad in their lives. So we talked to them about uh, the dangers of cell phone and internet access. These are elementary school Mm -hmm. kids. Uh, We talked about the dangers of bullying and how to, uh, resist temptation and, and peer pressure. And, but we did it in a way where we were playing floor hockey. Mm -hmm. And if we saw something going on, we would intervene with that because you're going to experience that with kids, even in the middle of play and even with off-duty officers. So we could intervene at that time, but not do it in an authoritarian way, do it more in a coaching way. And we were kind of like coaches there in, in every aspect of what we did. And, the coolest thing for me is that program went on for well over 30 years. And uh, so when I was fresh and young doing the program, uh, and as I left, there were parents bringing their kids in, where the parents were the kids that I had in Kids and Cops. So now they were bringing their kids back, and uh, that was full circle for me. That was cool.
1: Yeah. Well, that's especially now given the national situation with a lot of these police departments, bigger bigger cities and whatnot. It's good to see that, you know, our local, our community police um, are trying to get kids to know that you guys are humans.
0: Just normal guys and well, girls.
1: But you have to go through training. And you ha- you are in a position of being able to help.
0: And the really cool thing is the, the residual effect for the community and for law enforcement is now there is this entire era of kids who have grown up uh, from kindergarten through fifth grade with police officers and getting to know us and us, them. Uh, then they move into the tough years, of middle school, but then they're in high school. And anytime one of those kids would see me, it was never Chief Narsh, Lieutenant Narsh, Officer Narsh. It was, I, Officer Jerry. You know, and, but the face was affectionate. So they, it changed their perspective about the role of law enforcement at a young age, but at the time where um, there was so much volatility in their lives, um, they knew better. And uh, it, it made a completely different – we saw a complete dip in juvenile crime and recidivism during the times where a lot of these kids were going through this program. They just didn't get in trouble, and if they did, they didn't want to do it in Lake Orion because Why? They had a respect for the officers who respected them back. And we were doing things for them and their families. We wouldn't just play games on a Friday night. If they needed something, we'd took, you know, we'd get something for the family and take care. You got to know those families and what their needs are, and then we would use our resources and our connections to help that family. So that developed a relationship that uh, I call good government because government's not bad. Government's good. We've wrecked it uh, pretty much everywhere. But government is just supplying the needs that people can't in a collective and large way to do the best for people, paving roads and you know, putting out military and uh, doing everything that we need to do in a big way. But in a small way, um, if we do that with our families and we use our resources to help individual families, um, it changes lives and it changes perceptions.
1: Well, and you um, retired... In 2019. Yes. Correct. Yeah. And you went from being police chief of Lake Orion to being the police chief in Holly. Is that correct? Yep. Holly, Michigan. And you also became a Lake Orion village council member. And where I joined you. Yes. Um, what made you decide that to go, go for it and run? Yeah. Well, I, I just I,
0: a couple of things. I, I just didn't want to go. I mean, this is still my home and, um, when you invest blood, sweat, and tears and risk your life, uh, at times, I mean, there's many stories. That's a whole nother podcast on all the years of crazy, but, and it's, we can get
1: into a little bit of that in a a minute, but I want to hear about the village council decision first. Well, with that
0: comes just learning the town, learning the business owners, learning, uh, the, the lake, learning the the different aspects and facets of the community, the, the night community versus the day community. And, you know, why we paved the streets and why these over here these ordinances were passed, <clears throat> and then you finally get to the point where you got the knowledge and you walk away. And I thought, you know what, I want to stick around if it will help uh, to make some common sense, again, some good government to where we can cut through, you know, all the stuff. And it's like Man, there's so many reasons why we arrived at this point. Um, and I think if we revisit those reasons, everybody will come to the same conclusion, kind of like a jury, and go, oh. That's why we did, you know what, let's not revisit that again or, you know, here's why we're doing that. Um, so I just wanted to be a part of that help um, and just to continually make sure that the town's a success. You know, I, I've just always felt like a protector. Mm-hmm. And.
1: Uh, well, it, that that was literally your job.
0: It, it was everything. And it was my life. It it becomes you. And I mean, I can tell you how many people would come by the house. They just, you know, is Officer Nurse here? You know, because they had something going on traumatic in their life and it was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, they. They my house was a safe place and but that's the community and I didn't want to leave that role so this allowed me to kind of keep going in that role not alone for I stay out of the police department um I know I'm not those guys do a, they're doing a great job um they're carrying all those batons and coming up with new ways of doing it which is cool sometimes the old guy got, has to get out of the way get some fresh eyes fresh ears fresh ideas and they're doing it they're doing a great job so I don't put my hands in there unless they need it want some help um but it's just being a part of the community and continuing to make sure that we're safe, um, that we're going the right way, that we have what we need, and that folks in town get what they need. And uh, and, and to, to use, I've built a lot of relationships in federal government, state government, um, private business, uh, law, you know, lawyers, attorneys, all across the state and country, and to use those connections for our community to the best of my ability.
1: So you have this legacy for being the police chief. What do you want your legacy to be from being a village council member? Not only that, you're pro tem. So,
0: You know, the only legacy I want to leave with is the one I I always told people when I worked at the PD is um, uh, I'm Jerry, right? And that's who I am, whether it's with the police chief hat on or the council hat call me up stop by let's talk about it um, you know it, it there were so many times where i would arrest people and instead of doing the conventional method of you know you have to go through our process but i would i would always try to talk to them and find out and especially if you know it was a like a domestic violence or a you know really intoxicated individual we had repeat contacts with um, my theory was to have that conversation with them and find out where the crack is, what's going on in your life. man? How how can somebody in my role help you because clearly it's not working, right? And how many people would have that conversation back with me? Um, so for me, I, I think the legacy both on council and what I would want to walk away in any role in law enforcement is that uh, I help people.
1: Well, that, that
0: individually, at that moment, that they need it.
1: Yep. You know, I when I was in law school, I was a student attorney for um, uh, Washington Public Defense Defender's Office, and that's when I realized because the student attorneys you could um, uh, take on cases up to misdemeanors, and that's when I realized that there's more likely than not, more times than not, something else going on. And it's nice to hear that, you know, we've got other people in other professions and law enforcement, and law, and people who are making decisions about what's going to happen to others. Uh, you know, it's there's there's usually something else going on. There's, I would I would actually guess ninety nine point nine 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 percent something else going on in somebody's life, and sometimes talking to them helps. Sometimes having some uh, repercussions helps, and moving forward from there, but always giving people an option and an an outlet. Yeah. It, It
0: gave an opportunity to talk to somebody that wasn't their wife or husband or uncle or dad or mom that was judgmental. And, um, but you know, Hey, if they did the crime, they did the time. But at the same time, I helped them navigate that whole process in a way that they felt respected. Um, like they were a person, they made a mistake. Yep. You can make mistakes. There are some people that make Big mistakes, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that's something different. But for most people, um, seldom do we go to a domestic violence where everybody's sober, right? Mm. Um, We know that when we have larceny from autos all of a sudden pop up and they're going on everywhere and purse thefts and out of grocery carts, we got heroin, right? So we, we know what those trends are. So it's not just find the people that are addicted to heroin that are doing all the thefts and the stealing. Um, let's find and let's get them into hope, not handcuffs. let us mm-hmm. We're never going to arrest our way out of a drug addiction problem in the United States. Never going to happen. Um, we'll talk about that till we die, but until we get people to resolve the issues that lead them to and then uh, get them into a system to cleanse them from the opiates, that's the path out. Um, but finding out those things, because those are the things that prevent then the additional calls to the house, the additional mm-hmm. police runs, it benefits everybody. Uh, but most importantly, their family, because almost every family I go in where I had these issues and uh, where the department was dealing with that, there's all these little faces. And I always broke my heart.
1: I, I, I want to discuss this more because it's very interesting to me because when I was at the public defender's office, it was around the time when um, the opioid crisis was hitting the fan, so to speak. And... The, the change in the, the views of what that type of addiction was. You know, if, if somebody's going shoplifting and they're, they're stealing perfume or, or goods. Not, nail polish. Yeah. It's a big... Yeah. Any, like, to resell. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just starting to become more public knowledge. So it's interesting hearing it from you because I'm sure you were way ahead of the curve knowing that. And it it was just shocking to, all of a sudden, have all of this come into fruition. Like it was it was bad, it was bad, but people just needed help. A lot of people just needed help with the with the drug addiction part. Yeah. So, I'm glad to hear that that's, the perspective of our police chief. Our
0: well, police. and not just me. Um, that was the officers, and uh, and we built a team, and we coached that team to have that same perception. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always something behind the issue, and let's find out what that is. Let's find that family. Um, and uh, there's there's always more that we can do, and the more that we can resolve that, at least in the Lake Orion level, then the less crime we have, and uh, the less we spend on overtime. Right. So it benefits the community all the way around. So it's been a privilege, mm-hmm. and uh, but I really enjoy uh, now the council role. I kind of view it the same. Mm-hmm um i just don't have to get in the car and drive around you know but um it's uh it's the same kind of role for me it hasn't changed it's just knowing kind of making sure what the community needs whether it's in the business district the lake uh our parking issues what other issues we have going on well what's the best fixed i mean that's kind of what the job of a police officer becomes is conflict resolution in blinding lightning speed sometimes you gotta do it in about three seconds other times you've got uh, someone who's had 45 years of issues and problems in their life and then you get that call and you got to go there and kind of fix 45 years of failure and pain and hurt in five minutes because you got to go to the next call. So, um, it, you know, taking that kind of optic on our community and how can we resolve it in the best, fastest way that is at the lowest cost but with the highest yield for our town. And uh, using those connections, using that that knowledge, but knowing what didn't work before, knowing what did work before, um, and trying not to make the same mistake twice.
1: Well, I know COVID has thrown a wrench in pretty much every level of society and every outlet of society, but how has it changed your perspective on what you do, how you approach those problems?
0: Um, from policing or council or, well, I guess,
1: you know, let's start with policing and then we can go to the council.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, you know, we had to take a different approach because for me as a police chief, I had to protect my crew first mm-hmm. because think about this. If your entire police department, by the way, this happened to a couple of communities in Michigan, mm-hmm. if your entire police department, if it spreads through the department, you have no one coming on nine-one-one, mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's scary. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there are, there's so many, and so no one's coming. So I had to make sure that we implemented uh, safety measures. We backed off certain things we did. We we eliminated. You know, if, if it's a non-in progress call, we'll take it over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that less contact. But what I told my community at the same time was, look, we're also protecting you because we're out there dealing with the public all the time. You don't want us coming into your home either. I don't. I I don't want. I don't want my staff bringing COVID if we didn't know we had it and we're Asymptomatic, and we brought it into somebody's home and, and they got really sick. So, we it is the antithesis of what I like to do in law enforcement. We had to pull away and become a two dimensional police uh, telephone and you know that kind of thing. So, um, but everybody did that, and we had to step back a little bit, and it worked. I mean, we fogged our police department, our cars. Um, so, from a policing standpoint, it was a little tough, but most folks really were kind of doing the same thing, they were in the house and Coming home and and you know I know the honeydew lists all across America got done so COVID was huge I mean I oh yeah I know there's still some you know Amanda don't call in um there's there's always gonna be those but but I think everybody kind of you know stayed home and fixed things and you know wait I I have three kids what's your name you know you get to know family again and uh, had dinners again together as a family so. Uh, from that, from a council perspective, um, you know, it was devastating. Our business community, you as a small business owner, um, y- you know, my heart goes out to you guys that, um, and especially everybody whose eggs are in that basket, mm-hmm. and that's their only source of income, um, it- it's been devastating and hard. And uh, I, But the cool thing is about Lake Orion is Lake Orion uh, always steps up and seems to find a way. Um,
1: there it, has been a lot of community support for the oh, businesses downtown. So
0: Man, and, you know, some of the people, I'll give a shout-out to Matt Pfeiffer and some of the people that have um, came up with some ideas to, hey, you know what, there are people that need food, so if we buy gift cards, then the restaurants sell the gift cards and we can give them to them so they get food by going to the, you know, so everybody wins. So that's kind of that, that uh, Orient Cares uh, ideas, and, uh, and, of course, as things open again, Everybody's rushing back and coming back. and um, Yeah, it's been tough on everybody.
1: Yeah. Um, this is my second podcast, but if you're watching this in a year, um, it's my 15th or whatever. But my first podcast uh, was with Amy Brown, and she's a COVID nurse. She's also a manager. Her and her husband manage Wine Social. And she was saying a lot of small businesses have come out and have you know brought food or have – you know, with my shop, I, I gave gift baskets to the nurses because I thought I was going to scar from all the hand washing, but uh, it, it's been it was nice to hear that there's been such support of our first line workers, uh, and I hope that the police department also feels that way too.
0: Oh, they did. I mean, I I think everybody's gained about ten pounds just in the cookies because everybody that's you know they do that <laughs> for us and it's so kind of everybody. And thank you. Um, we're never going to turn away cookies. Um, if you're in Holly. Apple pie, chocolate chip,
1: anything. I don't think anybody would want my cookies. I'm, I'm not a baker. I can cook, but I cannot bake to save my life.
0: Well, and those that can do, and they did, and they brought them down. So, And I, and I know that uh, the doctors and nurses and some of the, what's really cool is the police departments got together and the fire department out of respect for our uh, doctors and nurses that were on the front lines in the hospitals. They were doing little convoys, mm-hmm. you know, turn the lights on and thanking them. And because um, you get it. And yeah. you, you, it's like, like you had mentioned, you don't realize certain things about a profession until you get into it or you really study it. But then you, you kind of find out, oh, there's like 75,000 layers to this I didn't realize. Um, but then when you find out the sacrifices in there, then uh, and then that somebody sees that and recognizes it and uh, cares for them. Uh, I can't imagine what those nurses and doctors went through. Uh, on those original phases where they were working seven days a week. I'm still without an officer that's a part-time officer that uh, was working at a hospital uh, also. Um, And uh, he was there continually and uh, wasn't able to come work with us. But he was doing the most important thing, and that was taking care of people. And um, that was job one. But uh, we're, we're Lord willing, we're on the other side of that. And uh, I believe it's now going to go into a manageable disease, mm-hmm. a preventable disease, because the, uh, the opportunity for the uh, vaccine is there. And as that happens, we then gain that herd immunity, and it becomes something that will be cyclical, just like the flu and other things. But we now have a prevention method, and I do I encourage people, get the vaccine. Um, you're not just protecting yourself. For me, I've got an eight-month-old grandbaby in my house three days a week. And my eighty-eight-year-old mother lives with me, so I have a duty, kind of, uh, you know, to make sure that I'm not a carrier of something that can really harm them. So, but we've all we all have those people in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Whether we come in contact with them casually, uh, professionally, um, but we kind of have a duty as a society, kind of help each other out that way. So, uh, the cool thing is, I think we're getting that way. And for all my friends who, you know, just really want to see everything open up, I'm there with you. But I want to make sure it's safe for everybody. And the cool thing is, as we get to that point, there'll be less government control. This is there's good government, and then there's government that um, we need to, to to step back a little bit. So as long as we do the good government, and then step back when everything is reasonable and uh, safe and working, then then everything is back to normal. So I, I just I think that day is coming very soon.
1: Has your department gotten? Uh, has it been able to get the vaccine yet? Those who are able to?
0: Uh, we are. Uh, some of us we're, were police is 1B. So we're less uh, the, the, the doctors, frontline workers, paramedics. Um, all those folks are 1A. Then they moved into senior housing, which absolutely, That's those those are the folks you look at all the statistics. Those are the folks that need it. Um, I know. And then
1: my, they get isolated if they have it. You're, you're in your room.
0: It's a no-win. Yeah. Uh, it's just a no-win. So we, 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 we gladly step back, let those folks. But a lot of the officers uh, yet are still to get it because the 1B isn't up. I know I put in for it about a month and a half ago, and uh, there's, I guess my number's not up yet. I just haven't heard. I know it. Uh, but, but again, they're doing seniors, um, people over 80 years old. that, to me, is the target audience, um, and we want to see in the uh, – assisted living homes, we want to see those folks taking care of first. So they'll get to us.
1: Yep. And, um, well, I was talking to Amy, and she said that she she had received it, both shots, and, no, it was was not as, it wasn't, no no big deal. Like, it wasn't painful. It it was good. She did, my sister got it, and I think she ended up having, she's an ER doctor. And she got the second dose, which is usually the one if you're going to have, like, a little reaction. That was going to be a, She had to go do a 10-hour shift, and she was fine. So, um, I Good look, to hear. I look, I'll, I'll I look, look forward, forward to that. Yeah, yeah, so do
2: I.
0: <laughs> when I get it.
1: Um, well, so you brought up your uh, mother and your eight-month. Tell us a little bit about your family. Um,
0: I'm blessed, again. I just, I don't know.
1: We don't have call-in uh capabilities here so I you can know. you can be honest you'll just have to deal with it when you get home
0: yeah no i'm blessed i have uh, beautiful wife uh, amanda we're coming up on 30 years so i, I congratulations popped the, i popped the question on her last night i said look i i want to go somewhere in our 30th so it's wherever she wants to go on the planet i don't care um, did
1: she give you a hint as to where
0: i kind of know where that is i'll keep it a secret but uh it's something she's always wanted to do um so we're hoping to do that next year but uh five boys um a grandson and then for s- almost 70 years on the NARS side in my family, there's never been a girl. <laughs> so uh, along comes this beautiful little, uh, granddaughter. And, uh, so she is, uh, getting wrecked three days a week at my house. So we're having a lot of fun with her. And, uh, uh so life is good. I'm very blessed. Uh, everybody was healthy through the, um, uh, the pandemic. So. We've been blessed.
1: Good. That's good to hear. And congratulations on the first uh, girl in your, your family in 70 years. <laughs> I know, yeah. That's she's kind- a lot
0: of fun. She's got a lot of uncles, and uh, there's a lot of guys watching out for her. I, I do. She is know never going to date. No, she's not. I <laughs> No, no. Just, you know, I mean, I've got my own lie detector system built right in. So
1: Right. Yeah, I'm sure you're the one who could, like, watch somebody's uh, pulse in their neck and be like, nope, I'm sorry, you're lying.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And uh, so oh. it's going to be interesting, but uh, she'll be safe. That's for sure.
1: Yep. Oh, man. Well, I remember uh, meeting your wife at the uh, Galling does the um, Christmas gala or the, is it Christmas or holiday gala? Holly
0: Jolly Folly, yeah. No, oh, thank yep. you. Thank you. For the parade.
1: Um, and I remember you guys were dressed up as the Operation game board game you were the patient of course you had the big red nose and she's
0: the hot nurse i yes. always get the goofy uniform
2: yeah
1: yes yeah, and as yeah. we were discussing beforehand i i really really <laughs> liked her shoes um but no you guys seem like you guys have a lot of fun together so congratulations on your 30th thank
0: That's you amazing. yeah it's good well it's, it's a year away we're at 29 coming up on 29 so that gives me a year to plan
1: Yes, and now now she knows that you have a that you know you have a year to plan.
0: Oh yeah, uh, well, and where she wants to go is kind of cool. It's kind of big, so uh, it ought to be fun. And, uh, it's going to be cool.
1: Maybe we should start, you know, taking a uh, bedding pool and uh, see where we in. Throw
0: darts on the map yeah. where that might be.
1: What continent, and then go to the country. Yeah,
0: it's it's pretty crazy, but uh, it's something she's want to do for a long time. So uh, as we get closer. I guarantee it'll be end up on Facebook, but
1: uh, all right. Well, we'll be watching. So,
0: hey, I, I gotta reward her. It's Thirty years of me. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm busy, and, and it's and I, and I know it's tough. It's tough on family to uh, always be going, and, and yeah. helping other people and doing other things, and um, and, and especially the shift work. When you're a police officer, your weekends are gone. You don't have weekends because you're working. Uh, then you get court on your days off. Uh, you get other things caught in in. Uh, there's just so many things that take you away from your family. It makes it hard. So uh, I, I kind of look forward to making that up to her.
1: Well, she also uh, worked, uh, you said, as a rep, sales?
0: She was in sales, yeah, most of her life.
1: So you guys both worked and you made it work. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice you would give? Because 29 years is pretty long it's a pretty long time
0: it is my one and five boys oh yeah it was like oh my house everything was broken and I had no food <laughs> um the the one piece of advice is listen more than you speak uh
1: if you're the husband both. but listen and Harry, you, uh, I was like really on board with that one my husband is listening in, so, uh, okay. Well,
0: it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's one of those where just uh, you need to stop making it all about you and uh, really listen uh, to the needs of the other person. And if you really love them and if you really care for them is uh, do everything you can to help them succeed. Right? Yeah. And, and that's what it's all about is just uh, doing everything you can to make them happy Um, and if it works, then they're going to do everything they can to make you happy. And, uh, and that's the way it
1: works. It's a natural quid pro quo. Yeah. Without knowing that you're doing it.
0: Without knowing that you're doing it. But keep in mind, it took me quite, (laughs) quite a while to realize that secret. And, uh, I was wrong a lot. (laughs) Oh, but once I figured out I
1: I give you a lot of credit for admitting that. I mean it's probably been, you know, twenty five years and you can admit it now, yeah. but no, I'm
0: kidding. Well, once I was wrong a lot, then I had to kind of do the same assessment I did when I analyzed crime patterns and trends. Why am I wrong so much? What am I doing wrong? Where's the crack? What's broken? Oh me. <laughs> um so I yeah. So I had to learn some things. So she was a patient woman.
1: Well, again, congratulations. All right, so if you didn't end up going into the police force, what do you think you'd be doing?
0: You know, I've never thought of um, it. I never intended on being a police officer. I um,
1: I never intended on being an attorney, and there you go.
0: There you go, right? Um, I went to GM because that's what my dad did, and uh, it was the, the thing that, you know, when he was young, mm-hmm. uh, that's what you do. And then while I was in there, I realized how absolutely I couldn't stand it. I just hated it, building trucks. And it just, it was inanimate. And I said, a truck, another truck. And, um, and I liked working with people, but then a friend of mine was a pilot. And uh, he talked to me into, he says, you know what, commercial aviation is booming. It's great. So I took off in that direction. And I uh, pursued commercial aviation and did that for about a year uh, year and a half with a good friend uh, with a uh, freight company and uh, thought that was going to be but then i remember i was just on some flight out to rochester new york picking up carburetors at two in the morning and the plane's all trimmed off and you get the engines humming and then sink and i'm just sitting there realizing it's just like being on the assembly line there's nobody here to talk to i'm trapped i'm, I'm a bus driver for car parts and i knew it was like oh man there's got to be something more and then uh, another friend of mine was a police officer and he said hey why don't you take a ride with me? <laughs> and what an interesting night. Uh, it was a busy night, and we got to be able to interact and stop some what was almost some violent stuff and uh, curb some drama over here and um, do some things over here. And I thought, wow, you can actually help and impact and work with people and do all of these things. So, I, I, you know, if I wasn't, I, I don't know what, it would be something to do with people.
1: Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw out something, actor, because you are IMBD official.
0: (laughs) I don't think, you know, I just fell up the stairs on that. So what
1: led you to to go into acting? Uh, Uh, Just for those who who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you've been in a couple of movies that were filmed in downtown Lake Orion Mm -hmm. and playing the police chief in all of them.
0: Uh, no, not all. Um, well, in uh, the uh, uh, Christmas story, that was uh, a police chief role. Uh, Devil's Night was a police chief role. and uh, A police officer in another film that's coming out. It's going to be an amazing film. There's a great uh, story on it. There's some really great uh, Hollywood talent is in that film. It's called An Intrusion. Uh, and that is coming. Uh, it's in post-production uh, right now. Um, it's got a, a impressive cast um but uh some opportunities to play some other roles but i don't that that happened simply because we've got some great talented movie and filmmakers uh even in lake orion and um those folks were using our facility and our police cars to do some of their films um and uh harley whalen and his uh, uh and his wife uh I'm trying to think of the name of the production company sorry harley uh but they made a lot of films down there and i wanted anything to do with it my officers were in it and it was kind of cool um but then i kind of was seen from the police side of it is um let me see that script uh, okay well you know what this piece right here about how the officers approach that there could be this would look more cool on film if we did it you know mm-hmm. um and then i met a friend who introduced me to a friend on the Devil's Night Dawn of the Nain Rouge film. And originally that was just, I was just going to do the law enforcement consulting that all of these scenes would be, and, and the way I told the officers is, we're going to do this like they're actual scenes. So it's an actual police call. Uh, it removes the tension from them when mm-hmm. they're on camera. But just do as you're trained. And uh, we're going to make it real. We're going to use the radios. We're going to use the MDC, the uh, mobile computers and the cars. Add that level of realism to it. Um, but then the individual who was tapped to pay the police chief had, uh, he was an LA actor <laughs> and, uh, he had a kind of a, a bad incident come up and, uh, lost pretty much all of his roles. Um, so then the executive producer called me and said, Hey, you're a police chief.
1: <laughs> why, don't well,
0: you, why don't you give it a try?
1: Didn't need to take any, uh, acting courses if you were going to do that. Well, it was the one
0: side of it, but I, I had to be somebody I wasn't. So that made it kind of odd because now there's a script and the person of that chief in that role um is not anything like me gotcha. so even though the you know so that Excuse was me. yeah it was interesting but that was my first role so um it it made it easier by having you know 20 plus years of you know the experience on it but uh, it 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 made it fun and challenging because it wasn't me so i had to be me but with a spin. And it was fun. Learned a lot. Um, a lot of work, but me. I, I don't think that would have been a profession. I, I just they, I fell into that by virtue of this profession. Gotcha. Um, but it's definitely interesting.
1: Well, so you've lived in Lake Orion quite a while. What's your favorite thing to do in the winter?
0: Oh man! <coughs> Excuse um, me,
1: I swallowed the wrong way. That's just fine.
0: No. <laughs> Winter, you know, I, I've just so hunkered down with family uh, the last couple of years. Um, we we do like to go for walks outside. We like to we used to take the kids sledding all the time. Um, and uh, you know, I'm not much of a snowmobiler only because I put all my money in a motorcycle. So I wait for spring, and uh, I'm more of a spring guy because then summer. so Yeah, I kind of hibernate winter.
1: Okay, let's move on to spring. So motorcycles. Tell me more about that. Well, it's
0: just. I, <laughs> You know it's that's a itch that I gotta scratch I just I've always loved motorcycles um, so summertime I like scuba diving I like water anything to do with water. I look at water I can't I, I always think what's under it and it's just how cool the bottom's got to look and
1: uh, well scuba diving is the closest thing to flying that we'll get in our lifetime in
0: outer space yeah being in, it's just it's like being in outer space um, and uh, motorcycles anything beach sun uh, family outside boating. Um, you name it, that's, uh, I just love summertime, and yet, here we are in Michigan.
1: It got up to 33 today, it It feels like it's a balmy 33, we're happy,
0: we're happy at 33, so, but it's coming, spring's coming, summer's coming, and uh, we'll have fun, I got my eye on another bike. and, uh, oh, was that my outside voice?
1: (laughs) Uh, Don't worry, we can have Joe edit that out, no, my, my husband's a big car guy, and finally, well, I, I I'm like, look, if you want to get a car, you can get a car. Fancy, whatever. I learned how to drive that car and now I get it. Get yeah, it. I get it now. And uh, I think he fell in love with me all over again when yeah. I when I actually <laughs> right. was able to drive that car. So but we'll we'll see. Might have to buy another one if that's gonna Cool. See that's, that's gonna something be something we can do. You
0: can do together
1: and have fun with it. Uh don't need him to follow me. Yeah. Huh. All right, so now I've got a deck of cards um, with the random questions on them. I'm going to pick three of them, and I'll let you pick one to ask me because, you know, fair is fair. Oh, sure. All right. I'll actually let you pick uh, three numbers, one through 12. Seven. Okay. And then... Oh, these are not in order. Oh my God! Found it though. I found it. Seven. I need two more from you. Oh, okay. Well, let's do twelve. Okay. And let's do five. All right. I'll do two. You can pick an, one for me, and then we'll go from there. All right. Who is one of your childhood heroes? Wow. Um.
0: You know, I know it's corny, but I, I got to say my dad um, is a World War II vet, worked at GM, left, uh, fought overseas, Germany, Europe, uh, won a Bronze Star, uh, came home, worked hard, uh, got us that little house out in Waterford on the lake, um, and we were everything. You know, That was it took us on vacations, uh, you know, and I'll never forget my first commercial airline flight was in the 60s. And uh, But, you know, he had a philosophy that if you buy new carpet, nobody's going to remember the carpet 30 years from now, but if you instead go on a vacation, the kids will have those memories forever. Um, So, yeah, we had crappy carpet. But, man, did we take cool, cool trips. So, you know, that... That to me was that work ethic, uh, taking care of family, and I, I and and he w- really was a gentle guy that um, uh, wanted to take care of his family and just and, and so I I think that it was kind of a the thing that I picked up from him that I've been trying to do is just have everything in place for my family and uh, that's why I'm still working right. <laughs>
1: That's pretty amazing because, you know, it's a, it, that has a ripple effect because you're you're very well known around here and you're a very nice guy and that makes everybody else want to be kind and caring, hopefully.
0: Well hopefully my boys too in all five. You know, and I hear and, that and all the, the time. Yeah, too. all five. Yeah. But I, I hear it all the time too, that they're they're great kids and, and I've I've tried to pass the baton that my dad passed to me. Is uh, you know, you open door for others, you look ways to help you be kind you know and uh, um, and just always do the right thing you, you know what the right thing is and you got one opportunity to do it and uh, so I've always tried to teach that with the boys and I think they've learned that I think that baton is firmly in their hands I mean we all make mistakes I, I made a lot of mistakes when I was a kid um, and we all do and that's okay because that's how we learn um, but uh, yeah so I'm hoping that rubs off on them and They pass that baton to their kids, and it just keeps going because that ripple effect then goes to a lot of other people.
1: All right, random question number two. Oh, this is, well, it's where would you like to travel next? But
0: Me? Yeah. Thailand. Oh. Yeah, dive trip. Oh. Yeah. Well. That was her trip I was talking
1: about. Oh, that's right. You know what? (laughs) That was right. Thailand. All right, um, now pick number one through 12. That's not 12, five, or seven, or nine, because I was asked number nine last time. Oh, two.
0: Two for you. What is a movie you have watched multiple times?
1: Beauty and the Beast. I watched it a lot as a child. That was like my, my movie, and for those... Who don't know me very well. That that that's that would be pretty shocking because I was I'm not. I was a very big tomboy, but I just I don't know. I just love the movie, and then when the real life, the live version came mm-hmm. out, I was like, I had to borrow my neighbor's kid to go see it for a third time in the theater. So it is what it is. I don't know what it okay, is about the
0: movie. No, this is taking one step further. Mm-hmm. But who is the favorite character and why? Beast.
1: Beast. Because. I don't know if I like him more as the Beast or as the Prince. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's those hard questions that you don't have the answers to that really make life interesting.
0: And that's why you watch it over and over.
1: Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. I also like Lumiere, but that's just because he's funny. Okay. So now you know a little bit more about me. Okay, and last one for you. All right. What is something interesting about you? Do you have any hidden talents?
0: No none no <laughs> um no i don't know i i uh i've always was gonna play the guitar um i used to play quite a bit when i was young when i was like uh 14 through 17 18, and uh had some really good equipment great guitars and uh um, just never had time um, my son andrew is a phenomenal guitarist. He picked it up. He would disagree with me, but it's only because he's put it down for a little while. He's now a, uh, works for an air supplier. He's a mechanic for Jets, aircraft. Oh. Yeah, So he services aircraft. Busy career, but great guitarist. Um, so that's something I've always wanted to uh, pursue again and pick it back up. So I do actually have – I've got an autographed amp by Steve Vai, um, one of my go-to guitarists, Eddie Van Halen, Steve Vai. Satriani some of the uh, just rock guitar, but uh so I do have a kind of a cool amp, and I got a couple of guitars, so i'm I'm hoping to plug those back in someday
1: what's uh kind of funny you said guitar i I played violin, I played it for like many 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 years as a kid, and I was actually quite good at it. however, I dropped it for like all my twenties, and I picked it up again I was like uh. So when I quit law, right before I started this shop, I, was, I started guitar lessons at Orion Music Studio. And that's when I started going into Nuts About Chocolate and meeting Tina. I was like, so I'm thinking about starting a shop down here. What's, what's it like down here? And she looked at me like I was crazy. Um, we are actually very good friends. So hi, Tina. Um, but it, it, I ended up not learning an instrument for the first time in, in your 30s is a lot different than when you're eight. Oh. So, and my my teacher was younger than me. I was used to having Dr. O'Paul, who would bang on my stand as a kid if I was not doing it right, Right. and yell at me. So I I needed the fear of God put in me to actually practice and get good at it. So that wasn't exactly happening. He was a very good teacher. I was just a bad student.
0: But I think music's a feel, and if you played violin um, and you play an instrument, um, you feel it. Um, I still like to... My son plays piano. Uh, another son, Anthony, uh, he can pick up the piano and play. Um, and I can pick up by ear and on the piano more than I can on the guitar. It's kind of interesting. But um, w- when you hear it and feel it, um, y- you can find it again.
1: Well, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Yeah. So, thank you so much for being on here today. You're a musician, an actor police chief and village council mem- member, family guy, and all a guy about town. Because the community, I've noticed when I've been out, when you know I've seen you out and about, um, people are drawn to you. And I, I think that says that a lot about your impact on this community. So thank you very much for that.
0: And thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me on All About Town. Uh, it's a privilege. And uh, I'm I'm drawn to the people in this town. It's my home, and um, I, I'll never stop just being Jerry. So that's my goal.
1: Well, all right, you guys. We will see you about town. Have a good one.